Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. So get ready, because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. Wow, today... Today's podcast, titled Praise God, Roe vs. Wade is Overturned, I have been preparing for this day for a while. I thought I was ready. I thought I was prepared for the emotions of this. It is very clear that I was wrong. Uh, it is, uh, it's hard to keep a smile off my face today. I'm sure the same, as many, the same is true for many people out there um, shedding tears. When this ruling came down, just to think about how many lives are now going to be protected, how many lives are going to be saved. This fight is not over, not by a long shot. We still have a lot of work to do, but this is a, a glorious day. So hit that rumble button if you haven't already. Comment what you're feeling today, and let's get into this decision. I spent the morning after it was released trying to skim through, read as much as I could. There isn't a whole lot in this decision that is different from the leaked draft. The only parts that I've been able to see are different are the parts where um, Alito is responding to the dissent and responding to the concurring opinion from Chief Justice John Roberts. Other than that, it's pretty much the same. And I'll have to read it again and, and really do a control F search to compare both versions. But it looks, at least from where I'm standing, that this early draft decision survived. It survived all the pressure. It, does, it survived all of the protests, which is obviously excellent. But it, in itself, should reaffirm everyone's faith in this institution of the Supreme Court that they wouldn't be bullied by, uh, by protests. So I guess we can, we can start this off. I've, I've had this in my liquor cabinet for a while. Uh, it's not French, but it's Spanish sparkling wine, so it's going to have to do for today. It's been a while since I've opened up champagne. Let's see if I can do this. Ah, uh, here we go. There we go. Uh, I didn't embarrass myself. That's good. It's been a while since I've had champagne, but this has been chilling for a few months in the liquor cabinet. So it seemed as good of an opportunity as any to raise a glass. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just happy. I'm 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 overjoyed right now. It is 10:48 a.m. where I live, and I am drinking champagne. <laughs> well, pop them if you got them. Um, let, let's talk a bit about this ruling and what it means and what it's going to happen moving forward. Because as I just mentioned, this fight is not over, but this is a glorious victory in the fight to protect the unborn, the fight to just protect life. So let's go in, into this ruling. Here is the first part. I'm going to be looking up because I didn't have time to get all the cuts set up. So I'm just going off of a browser. Um, this is the, this is really the, the crux of it. In this decision, in the beginning, it says, we hold that Roe plan, uh, Roe versus Wade and Casey, which is Planned Parenthood v. Casey, must be overruled. The constitution makes no reference to abortion 
and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. That provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and, quote, implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Washington v. Glucksburg. So that's what everyone's kind of seizing on. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overturned. Must be overturned. So we're going to get into a couple of these different parts of the decision because the, the biggest one, and, and you saw this in the different um, questions that Supreme Court nominees were given during their confirmation process, dealt with stare decisis, which is the concept of precedent, that when the court decides something, it shouldn't just be overruling it, overturning it, reversing it. Precedent should be allowed to stand. And and I, I want to read this part because this addresses that question about stare decisis. So it, it starts on talking about the logic behind the Roe versus Wade the, the, that the opinion was based on. Quote, does not compel unending adherence to Roe's abuse of judicial authority. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. As far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deep division. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. The permissibility of abortion and the limitations upon it are to res be resolved like most important questions in our democracy by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. That is what the Constitution and the rule of law demand. So this concept of abortion, this, this, this idea of abortion, if you've read uh, Roe vs. Wade, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, and I'm, I'm in the process of writing a second book on abortion, The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Abortion Argument, so I'm going to have to change it. But I've, I've been writing it, understanding that this was coming. Um, the fight over abortion is the fight over this imagined, created out of thin air, right to privacy that the Supreme Court in 1973 found existed in the Constitution. But here's the thing, it doesn't, right? When Roe versus Wade was argued before the Supreme Court, um, the lawyers arguing for both Roe and for Doe v. Bolton, which was a companion case challenging uh, Georgia's uh, abortion ban at the time, the challengers actually weren't really making a big 14th Amendment argument. They were finding that the Ninth Amendment, the Ninth Amendment, the idea that that all the rights in the Constitution aren't necessarily completely enumerated, and there are other rights that exist among the people. Um, that was their main argument. So the people who were arguing for abortion rights didn't even really make the claim. They, and they did. They kind of skirted around it. But the 14th Amendment was not their main, their main argument. And yet that's what the Supreme Court found in Roe versus Wade. Well, here in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, the case that just came down today, the decision basically lays into this logic. And it goes after the idea of finding and creating new definitions of liberty that don't really exist based just on what you want to be a form of liberty. They, they say it better, so let me just quote it. 
In interpreting what is meant by the 14th Amendment's reference to liberty, we must guard against the natural human tendency to confuse what that amendment protects with our own ardent views about the liberty that Americans should enjoy. That is why the court has long been reluctant to recognize rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution. So this decision isn't just isn't just saying that that abortion should be back to states. It is righting a wrong, a, a very serious wrong that has had ripple effects in other ways, which we'll get to a little bit later. But right here, it are the 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 opinion makes very clear that just because the word liberty is found in the 14th Amendment, right, that no person can be deprived of of liberty and their and their rights without due process. Just because the word liberty is there does not give you kind of carte blanche to define it however you wish, right? If, if you're going to talk about a liberty, if you're going to talk about a specific liberty protected by the 14th Amendment, it has to be something that was understood either at the founding, right, or understood when the 14th Amendment was drafted and ratified. Because remember, the 14th Amendment was not written by the framers. It was written long after. So. The Supreme Court looks at both and can find no right to have an abortion present either at the founding or when the 14th Amendment was ratified, thereby concluding that the word liberty in the 14th Amendment cannot possibly be construed to have meant abortion. It means other things, and it means other things that aren't necessarily articulated, but that doesn't mean that abortion should be one of those things. And here is how they kind of explain it. Quote, until the latter part of the 20th century, there was no support in American law for a constitutional right to obtain abortion. No state constitutional provision had recognized such a right. Until a few years before Roe was handed down, no federal or state court had recognized such a right, nor had any scholarly treatise of which we are aware. And although law review articles are not reticent about advocating new rights, the earliest article proposing a constitutional right to abortion that has come to our attention was published only a few years before Roe. Now, I know for a fact that this portion was in the draft that leaked. I remember reading this out loud. This absolutely survived, and he's absolutely right. You cannot point to a historic tradition of abortion rights because they did not exist. And if you were to find anywhere where people were arguing that, you would only find a couple years before Roe versus Wade was decided. And the reason for this is Roe versus Wade I'll get to a little bit more, but I want to explain a little bit. Roe versus Wade stemmed from another case, which was Griswold v. Connecticut. Griswold v. Connecticut was a what, decade, 1963, I want, I want to say. I, I forget the exact year, but it was in the 60s. Griswold v. Connecticut, that was a case challenging Connecticut's ban on contraception. Connecticut had a law in the books banning contraception. And women, with the help of Planned Parenthood, were challenging that law. They tried for years to get it overturned, and they finally did in the case of Griswold v. Connecticut. And what the Supreme Court found in Griswold was that there exists a right to privacy, a right to marital privacy, and that the state has no legitimate um, right to stop married people from obtaining abortion, from obtaining contraceptives. Sorry. This just shows how much different of a country was back then. The, the original case wasn't just allowing anyone willy-nilly. The original case that opened the, opened the dam up for Roe versus Wade eventually was whether or not married people should be allowed to get contraceptives. So they the Supreme Court invented out of thin air this concept of marital privacy, saying that it is a long and storied right protected by the Constitution. Well, ma marital privacy transitioned to, well, 
You can't just give certain people, you can't just give married people rights that unmarried people don't have. So understandably, the next case down the pike was to prevent the right of unmarried women to obtain contraceptives. That then transitioned to other things with women's health. And eventually you get to these abortion cases in Roe versus Wade and Doe v. Bolton. So when you, when you talk about this, this, this history, it's not just that there's no right to abortion. The concept of a right to medical privacy only dates to the 1960s in Griswold v. Connecticut. You can't even find it much further, any further back than that. Let's read the next, next part. Not only was there no support for such a constitutional right until shortly before Roe, but abortion had long been a crime in every single state. At common law, abortion was criminal in at least some stages of pregnancy and was regarded as unlawful and could have very serious consequences at all stages. American law followed the common law until a wave of statutory restrictions in the 1800s expanded criminal liability for abortion. By the time of the adoption of the 14th Amendment, three quarters of states had made abortion a crime at any stage of pregnancy, and the remaining states would soon follow. Roe either ignored or misstated this history, and Casey declined to reconsider Roe's faulty historical analysis. It is therefore important to set the record straight. So this is what I mean. Not only are they identifying that in common law, Right, pre-American uh, Revolution, N not only was there the existence of a common law understanding that abortion is bad, abortion is anathema, abortion is criminal, but at the time that the 14th Amendment was ratified, three quarters of the states had already banned abortion and made it a crime at any stage of pregnancy. Right, So it's not just looking at what the founders intended. What did the word liberty mean when the 14th Amendment was ratified. And here's the next part. I love, I love this part. The inescapable conclusion is that a right to abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history and traditions. On the contrary, an unbroken tradition of prohibiting abortion on pain of criminal punishment persisted from the earliest days of common law until 1973. The court in Roe could have said of abortion exactly what Glucksburg said of assisted suicide. Attitudes towards abortion have changed since Bracton, but our laws have consistently condemned and continue to prohibit that practice. So again, what I just what I just paraphrased in this decision, because remember, you're looking at like contextualism. You're looking at looking through history of what the text actually meant when it was signed, ratified and added to the Constitution. They go all the way back to common law, all the way through 1973. And the one commonality is that abortion was always banned. So here is where we, we start getting into the actual findings of this. And, and this is a really interesting one because I want to make sure I get this one right. Yeah, this is seven. So it's not just that this Dobbs v. Jackson women's health, it's not just they have overturned Roe versus Wade and overturned Planned Parenthood v. Casey, and returned it to the states, the authority to decide whether or not abortion should be legal. But this decision creates a, a new way for lower judges to handle the issue of abortion. Basically, they include this language to smack down an activist judges who are looking for loopholes, looking for little openings to try and, and bring us back to before this decision. Quote, it follows that states may regulate abortion for legitimate reasons, and when such regulations are challenged under the Constitution, courts cannot, quote, substitute their social and economic beliefs for the judgment of legislative bodies. End quote. 
That respect for a legislature's judgment applies even when the laws at issue concern matters of great social significance or moral substance. A law regulating abortion, like other health and welfare laws, is entitled to a, quote, strong presumption of validity, end quote. It must be sustained if there is a rational basis on which the legislature could have thought that it would, it would serve legitimate state interests, end quote. That is important because getting rid of Roe versus Wade brings us back to an era where states have a legitimate interest in protecting the life of unborn children. One of the most disgusting parts of Roe versus Wade, and it, it, I, I can't help but smile because I am writing this chapter in my book now, my new book that's coming out. Um, when they were deciding Roe versus Wade, it's, they were dealing with interest balancing. Interest balancing, balancing the interests of a woman when she should be allowed to terminate her pregnancy versus when the state should be allowed to protect the life of the child in her, in her womb. And Roe versus Wade admitted that both parties have legitimate interests. What Roe versus Wade decided was that in the early stages, in the first trimester, women should have unlimited access to abortion at viability, which the court defined as 24 to 27 weeks towards the end of the second, tri second trimester. The court said that at that point, states have the authority to ban it, to ban abortion in the interest of protecting what they called potential life. Not me. That's what they called in Roe versus Wade. In that middle period, in between the end of the first trimester and 24 to 27 weeks, the point at which a baby can survive outside the womb with or without uh, medical assistance, they had this interest balancing where saying, hey, states can regulate abortion, but it has to be focused on maternal health. It can't be focused on the life of the child. So the, Roe versus Wade, that's gone, right? That's gone. The interest balancing is gone. Under, under federal law, under the federal constitution, federal courts no longer have the authority to weigh those interests. It's gone. It is not a federal issue any longer. States now have the right to set their own interests, to define their own law based on what their people and their legislature want, which is common sense. It's absolutely common sense. And here, what, what the Supreme Court is doing, what this opinion does, it says that when states write these laws, when they write these laws regulating or outright banning abortion, those laws under the federal court system are entitled, as I just said, quote, to a, quote, strong presumption of validity, end quote. Send the stage to make sure this can't just be completely reversed. And then you get to this conclusion, which I love. It's the, I believe this is the same conclusion as existed in the draft. We end this opinion where we began. Abortion prevents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. The judgment of the Fifth, Cir Fifth Circuit is reversed and the case is remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. It is so ordered. So that, that's it, right? Planned Parenthood, I'm sorry, Roe versus Wade, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, they're gone. The idea of federal right to abortion, gone. Gonzo. States now have the authority. Federal judges are prohibited from substituting their own morality or, or their own interests into these decisions and is solely up to the states. So what does that mean? What comes next? I mentioned this on my telegram. I want to talk about it a little bit now. There are 19 states 
that have a pre-row ban or what's called a snapback, which would ban abortion. I mean, right now, right? I mean, like I, I have this image. This is Missouri's attorney general signing an official opinion declaring that the state's snapback law is now in effect. Missouri became the first state to ban abortion this morning, like 15 minutes after the ruling came out. This is already happening. This is already happening. But these states, most the most notable ones, obviously, right, you, you expect that Alabama would have... Uh, no, that's not Alabama. That's uh, Yeah, it is. That's Alabama. Sorry, I always get that one confused a little bit. Al- you expect that Alabama would have it. You expect that West Virginia would have a snapback... I'm sorry, pre-Roe versus Wade law banning abortion. But what a lot of people don't know, and this is going to get really interesting in the coming days, is you have pre-Roe versus Wade laws still on the books in Michigan and Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, last week, Planned Parenthood announced they were no longer scheduling abortion procedures. They're done. Planned Parenthood is going to go out of business in Wisconsin unless they can monetize their, I mean, for the longest time, they said they provide other services. That's going to be something that's really interesting to watch now, whether Planned Parenthood can survive without abortion in some of these states, right? Because for the longest time, Planned Parenthood has argued that abortion is just this tiny part of what they do, tiny part, and that it isn't significant, a significant source of revenue for them. So watch how quickly Planned Parenthoods actually go out of business and close down. Watch how quickly that lie is revealed and actually put to the test. So, so in Wisconsin, Planned Parenthood's done. They are no longer scheduling abortions. In Michigan, there's going to be a bit of a, a, a bit of a larger fight because the governor in Michigan, she is now suing counties that have county district attorneys, county uh, prosecutors who have promised to enforce the law. And I believe Michigan's law dates from the 1930s, if I if I'm correct. Wisconsin's law is from the 1840s. That's how old Wisconsin's law is. So these two states, right, these are purplish, sometimes blue states, purplish, sometimes blue states, and they now have abortion abortions banned. Just the other day, I think it was yesterday, um, the Wisconsin governor called the legislature back into a special session, demanding that the legislature pass new leg- new bills to get rid of the 1849, I think it's 1849, the 1849 law. The legislature, though, is controlled by Republicans. So they were obligated to gavel into this special session, but then they immediately gaveled out without doing anything. So Wisconsin, abortion is banned in Wisconsin right now. Abortion is banned in Michigan right now. It's banned in Arizona right now. It's banned in Alabama right now. Trigger laws. These are laws that were passed years ago that state that the minute Roe versus Wade is overturned, abortion is banned in their state. States with trigger laws, Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Missouri, Louisiana, Kentucky, Tennessee. So I'm sure you'll see, well, Louisiana, they just, they signed a bill yesterday Remarkably, their Democrat governor signed a bill banning abortion yesterday. These states, it's going to snap back into effect right now. The states that already ban abortion after six weeks, these were laws that they had passed that were challenged in the courts, in some cases overturned. Now they're going to be back. Iowa, Ohio, South Carolina, Georgia. And then states that already have multiple laws on the books Banning abortion, obviously Texas, that's after six weeks, Oklahoma, 
Arkansas, and Mississippi. So these are the states now where abortion, and then obviously all of these areas in here, all these areas in here that are red, fill them in because it's going to get banned there too. Montana, Montana will come. Then you'll have Nebraska, Oklahoma, Florida, and Indiana. Maybe North Carolina, but those ones will be next. So why is this important? Obviously, abortion is done in these states right now. If it isn't right now, it'll be shortly today. It'll be done. Unless there are states like in Iowa, they're having this fight over whether the state constitution protects a right to abortion. This is why it's a big deal. In the 19 states that have free row laws already on the books or snapback laws that are going into effect today, in those 19 states, based on 2017's numbers, and I caveat this, it's 2017's numbers, those 19 states, on average, had 478 abortions performed every single day. Now, the huge caveat is that includes Texas. Texas is the largest of all of those states on that list, and Texas's law now re- reduces that number significantly. But just going off of that, those 2017 numbers, those are 478 babies every single day will now be given a chance to survive, a chance to grow, to be born, and to live a life. They are be- Those 478 babies now will be protected from being killed in the womb in those states. 478 a day. I, 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 want, I want you to think about this. Regardless of how old you are, you will likely meet someone in your lifetime now who was only born because of this decision. I give you goosebumps. I give you goosebumps just thinking about your, your future is changed. Their future has changed. Entire generations will be will be changed. It's done. And I, I can't I can't wipe the smile off my face as I look frantically for where my champagne is. So these nineteen states, four hundred and seventy eight abortions are now banned a day. Here's where the fight's going to be, though. The fight is going to be stopping states like California, Oregon, Washington, New York, New Jersey, Maryland. Virginia, Massachusetts, stopping these states from encouraging women to travel there in order to get an abortion. I've already heard reports that in California, Planned Parenthood offices are considering and actively working towards hiring travel agents. Just just think about this. They want to turn abortion into medical tourism. And so I'm going to I'm going to have to cut this episode off a little early because I am on the board of a pro-life pregnancy center in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we have a board meeting um, at 12:30 Eastern. So I make sure I get it right in my head. So I, I'll have to jump off because among the other things we have to talk about in this meeting is how to protect the center from the wave of violence that we expect, not just against us, but against all pro-life centers around the country in Nevada. Abortion clinics are trying to turn this into an event, into a vacation, where you, you, you live in one of these states, especially like Texas, you, you want to end your pregnancy, you fly there, you have the abortion on a Friday, you go and, and spend the whole day in a spa at one of the hotels on a Saturday, and then you gamble a bit on a Sunday, and then you fly home for work on a Monday. They want to turn it into a weekend. They actually want to make this medical tourism. So yes, there are industries that are going to prop up 
travel agents booking travel for abortion. So that's going to be the next fight. Stopping, stopping this because just because we've banned it, I mean, there's no wall at the border, right? If you live in Texas, you can fly to New Mexico. You can fly to Colorado. You can fly to Nevada or California. That's going to be the fight to counsel women in these states to, to teach them about the importance of life and to teach them about the other options that are present for them where they don't have to fly. Also, to teach them that they might not even need an abortion. A lot of people, get, a lot of women get conned into having abortions at these procedures on pregnancies that have already miscarried or that ultrasound show will likely miscarry. Planned Parenthood doesn't care. It's just money to them. So that's going to be the push now with these pro-life pregnancy centers, which I'm proud to be working with um, outside of uh, this podcast, counseling women and, and getting them into a pro-life pregnancy center so that they can learn about their options before they fly across state lines to have one of these medical tourism abortions. That's going to be next. We're also probably going to see uh, Joe Biden. I almost said Barack Obama. We're, we're, we're going to see Joe Biden probably do something. I believe he's speaking in 15 minutes. We're probably going to see him sign some executive orders trying to undo the Supreme Court decision. We saw him do this when there was the uh, when there was the rent moratorium, the, the landlord moratorium. We saw him weigh in on that, even though he admitted it was unconstitutional. So among the things that I'm hearing he might consider would be opening up federal military bases for abortion procedures. So if you live in one of these states that now bans abortion, apparently they think that there are loopholes within the law that allows abortions to continue to be performed on military bases, which I don't even know why they would be performed there, or allowing abortionists who have nowhere else to go to perform abortions on federal property. So women could go to the Air Force base, the Army base, get abortions. That's apparently something he's considering. We're also hearing that he's being pressured to basically declare a health emergency, a health emergency, which I guess would give Anthony Fauci authority over this, which it should terrify you. I don't really know what he would do with that. Um, we might hear, we might see him start to limit, um, this probably would take an act of Congress, but limit federal resources to states that ban abortion. That's probably, if they can't codify Roe versus Wade in law, we're probably going to see a big push from Democrats to put language into law to stop federal funds from going to healthcare systems in states that prohibit abortion. Basically saying, hey, you can't get Medicaid money, you can't get Medicare money trying to put pressure on states to do to legalize abortion that way. The same way that Congress is now putting pressure on states to enact red flag laws through funding. That's probably going to be what comes next. And uh, he, he might even just try and just declare that it is a right and, and announce that the Department of Justice won't prosecute anyone who performs abortion and will defend. I mean, that would be a crazy thing. But we know he's going to speak. He's going to speak today. What Congress is going to do is, is very obvious. Nancy Pelosi's out there uh, with the fake crocodile tears saying, oh, it's, it's egregious, it's egregious. Think about how many times Nancy Pelosi has been Speaker of the House. Just Nancy Pelosi. How many times she has been Speaker of the House? How many times Democrats have controlled Congress? And ask yourself, why didn't they codify Roe versus Wade when they had the power? They could have done it. They could have done it in uh, 2008, right? Instead, they focused on Obamacare, but they, they probably could have had the votes, although there were a lot of conservative Democrats then. 
Democrats have never been able to codify Roe versus Wade. They've never even tried because the political calculus always told them that it was going to be political suicide. Now they're going to try and they're going to try and galvanize the nation, turn this into an election issue, right? And I don't think it's going to work because at the end of the day, people are going to care far more about the fact that they can't afford to put gas in the tank than whether or not abortion is legal in their state. But that's going to be the next steps. And as I said, this fight is far from over. You see this map. These are the states that already have abortion bans on the books. The fights are going to go on in Florida, in North Carolina, in Indiana, in Nebraska, um, in, in Kansas, right? In New Mexico, in Nevada, in Montana. These are going to be big fights. We're also going to see the blue states go even crazier, go even crazier with them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw states start to open up funding to help people fly there for abortions. The similar ways that, that, that like Hawaii might promote tourism, I think you might see that at the state level, which is disgusting, but they're going to try and use taxpayer dollars for that. They might even do that at the federal level, give uh, tax rebates to people who have to fly across the country to have an abortion. The, the fight is not over. There's a lot that we still need to do. But today is undoubtedly a victory. It's a victory that, as I said at the start, I thought I was prepared for, but I'm not. I'm surprised I've been able to get through all of these topics and, and speak them coherently because the feeling I have is speechlessness. And I guess I'll have to re-listen to this and, and figure out whether or not I was as coherent as I think I was. Uh, my The feeling in my heart and my soul is speechlessness. Like, I, I can't believe it. Because this is something I have prayed for, I have hoped and dreamed for forever. And I always told myself it's possible. Like, it can happen. When Trump won and he, and, he, and he nominated those three excellent justices, I started saying, yes, th this will happen. But there was always eventually. Right? You never expect it to come now. You never ex Even if you're watching this, you say, oh, I'm ready for this. Think about it. Spend the day thinking about what this means. Spend the day thinking about the children who will now be born who have a chance at life, who will grow into adulthood, the gifts that they will give society. It's hard to wrap your head around this. And it's a feeling of complete joy, but it's also coupled by such sorrow because you realize just how much this nation has lost, just how much this nation has lost in the last, what, what, 50 years? Since Roe versus Wade, 49 years. How many beautiful souls, how many beautiful humans we have been deprived of. The damage that this has done. I applaud the Supreme Court for correcting that wrong, getting it right, and restoring us back to a pre-Roe era where it's up to the states. I pray, and if you are in one of these states where this debate's going to be happening, you're going to need to get off your butts and you're going to need to really get active. Right. I'm, I'm thankful for it, but I also I have tremendous heartbreak over over just thinking about how this could have come earlier. How, how the Supreme Court could have right, uh, righted this wrong earlier, years ago. Right. It could have happened years ago. It also could have happened last week. Remember, 478 abortions in these 19 states a day. Every week it adds up. 
but no, I I don't want to get too caught up in the in the sadness of that because this is a glorious day. This is a prayerful day. This is a day of celebration. I did pop the champagne at the start. If you have it, I encourage you to break it out today because this is a day worth celebrating. This is also a day I'm going to remind you to to be ready. We've seen a wave of violence against pro-life pregnancy centers, pro-life charities over the last couple of weeks. We expect a day or a week, a weekend of rage. That's what leftist organizations are promising. The Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security are warning pro-life pregnancy centers to expect the worst. I guess I guess it's, we have to fend for them ourselves. It almost sounds like it's a purge. Be prepared. Be prepared. If you live in a state where you can conceal carry, I recommend that you do so, especially if you work and, and volunteer at one of these centers. If you're going to go and pray at one of these centers, make sure you are protected. And if you live in a state that, as of yesterday, is no longer allowed to arbitrarily deny you your right to carry a firearm in public, those states are New York, New Jersey, Maryland, California, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Delaware. Those may issue states. If you live in one of those states and you've never been allowed to get a concealed carry permit before, I implore you to apply today. Apply today. Apply for your right to carry a concealed firearm in public because, folks, as as happy as this day is, we are still in a, in a, in a pretty obvious decline in other parts of the country. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So please do. I'll have, have to do another podcast detailing that whole Second Amendment decision. But I, I, I implore you to take this opportunity to get, if you, if you live in one of those states, get your firearm license, your, your firearm owner identification card. Get it and apply for a, uh, a permit to carry and then take a class. Take a class teaching you firearm safety, teaching you how to reload, how to safely holster and unholster. Take those classes and be prepared because it's one thing to be given your rights back, right? It's an entirely different thing to defend them. And yes, when it comes to the right to self-defense, you will often have to use that right. So please do, if you haven't already, consider getting licensed to carry a firearm in your state. Well, that's going to be it. As I said, I have to jump off because I have a board meeting in just a few minutes. I volunteer at a pro-life pregnancy center in Las Vegas, the busiest in the country. I'm on their board of directors. So I have to meet with them to... Uh, to go over, among other things, security for the center. So I cannot stay on longer, but I promise I will do more episodes on this issue as it comes out because this is a huge victory, right? It's a huge victory for us, for the conservative movement, for the pro-life movement. The fight is not over, but if you're if you're looking for permission just to celebrate just a little bit today, I give you permission to do so. Last thing I'm going to mention, my book is available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Links are in the description. Service Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument. In the chapter on Supreme Court cases, I did preemptively write a chapter on New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Um, Breen, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I did write a chapter on that. That Supreme Court case released yesterday. I believe I hit it pretty, pretty square on the nose, though I did leave the option open for a narrower ruling. Uh, if you haven't already bought my book, haven't already read my book, I highly suggest that you purchase it. Um, it's a great gift. Uh, I know a lot of people bought it for Father's Day. It's a great gift for people who are Second Amendment supporters who are maybe on the fence. Um, so please go ahead and pick it up. And I, as I did mention earlier, the next book I am writing, which I'm about 89 pages in, 89 pages in, um, 
is on the second on abortion, the conservative's guide to winning every abortion argument. And just so everyone knows, those 89 pages are exclusively dealing with court cases so far. So yeah, court cases and um and footnotes. So I'm gonna have to edit this a bunch because that's gonna be way way too long. But please again, if you haven't already picked this book up, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. That's gonna be it for this edition of the Max McGuire show. A lot of people just jumped on. I highly suggest you rewind and watch it going through all of this. That's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire show. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on rumble. That link is up there. A uh, little green button. Um, also hit the rumble button if you haven't already, so we can meet, reach more people organically. That's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire show. My name is Max McGuire. Remember everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand and fight together. Have a good weekend.